Ghost Ship Radio Network. Sail onward. What's up, folks? Welcome to episode 27 of the Adjacent Hex Podcast. My name is Zach. And upgrading his card stock is Doug. How's it going, man? Upgrading my card stock? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> that sounds like a, a Kickstarter uh, stretch goal. <laughs> I mean, it, on many Kickstarters, it is. It is a stretch goal. I often wonder, like, how legit that is. Right? Because, like, I figure on I some level, it's it, it's got to be pre-planned. Like, I look at the prototype that I've got of Fate of the Elder Gods, and it's, like, the cardstock is already upgraded. Now, that may just yeah. be a Daryl Louder thing, because I know he loves to have, like, nearly finished copies that he get, sends out as prototypes. Right. But Yeah, I mean, maybe you can create some pretty decent prototypes for oh, yeah. relatively cheap. But... I don't know. It is easy enough to tell the manufacturer just to bump up the cardstock quality, but I always wonder about that. It's one of those stretch goals that I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like that shouldn't be a stretch goal. I always want good quality in my games. Yeah. Speaking of good quality games, you just got back from Gen Con. <laughs> I did. That was incredibly enthusiastic, and I'm about to burst your bubble because Gen Con this year, while it was fantastic and I loved every minute of it, there wasn't a whole lot of new... Like, real new stuff. There was some, okay. you know, expansions. Uh, I know Ticket to Ride New York was, I think, there. I don't know if it was for sale, but I know there it, was, it existed. Okay. Um, but I was talking to my friend Matt after the show, and he's like, it's really, like, there's not a whole lot of big announcements coming this year. Well, you know what? I wonder if that was, 2017 was kind of huge. It was a huge year for gaming. Every And every couple of years, like, I think 2014 was big like that. Mm-hmm. 2017 was big like that. And I think a lot of companies are also sort of knee-deep in fulfillment on various Kickstarters. I know Greater Than Games had just shipped out 4,000 copies of Oblivion. I think you got yours while I was away, and and I got mine (laughs) shortly thereafter. So all 23 pounds of it. Oh, my gosh. It's Even before you put the cards in, because it's got stuff in there, it's already a heavy box. It it sure is. I tried to lift it on my stream last night, and like my chat was like, are you really (laughs) struggling with that, or are you just making that up? I'm like, no, no, no. No, it's a this hurts. Box. Like it's it's a big box. Yeah, I was actually thinking about doing like like a, a little skit that we could audio record, just doing like an old western thing about a guy, an old man who ordered the game when he was a kid. Oh my gosh, that actually <laughs> be really it, funny. But it, oh, I didn't get a chance to do it. But I will say, I mean, we'll talk about Oblivion in a bit. But it it makes me think of two thousand one, a space odyssey. Oh, absolutely. The size of that box. This is just that a giant monolith. Giant monolith box. Um, so well, we we can get in the game detail, but that box is huge. It really is, uh, and we it had is, we had a grand total of one on display with us at Gen Con, uh, <laughs> and people were like pawing at it, and it was great. Like people loved it, and, yeah. and it no, felt it's good. No, it's a great case. It's great. But the the one thing, the one big announcement that I did catch at Gen Con was yeah. uh, particularly relevant to me is Arkham Horror Third Edition, and at, immediately I was like, oh. Yeah. Okay. That explains it. That's why we, why they've stopped production on all the uh, expansions, and you know yeah. the dice haven't been available for a while. Yeah, and then while. Alex and I went over to Fantasy Flight in the morning one day and took a close look at it. Yeah. It's not Richard's game anymore. 
Arkham Horror 3rd no. Edition is a totally different game. Okay. It's got a modular board. I um, saw that. Yeah, I saw videos from Gen Con about the modular board, and I heard they, they changed some of the mechanics. Mm-hmm. They, they brought it more in line with um, the Arkham Horror card game and okay. uh, Eldritch Horror and Mansions of Madness. So it's a little... I guess it's I, they're, they're trying to make it more approachable to someone who's jumped in on that side of things. That's all well and good. But we were talking about it at the store the other day, just before we were about to sit down to play Arkham Horror 2nd Edition, which is what we've been playing. If they want to, you know, do a rebranding like that, right. they'd be better off, in in my opinion at least, calling it something different. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, I don't know how much you saw of it, but did it still look like a decent game, but just kind of not really Arkham Horror anymore? Or... Yeah, I mean, so we... Uh, Mike and I, my boss, uh, took a look at it on uh, our distributor's website, and okay. it looks like a good game, but yeah. our community is so invested in second edition, like I have it, Kyle has it, the Robies have it, Alex okay. has it, that we're not going to generate the sales from it uh, to the community that we cater to. Yeah, it's all it's hard to to start over, Correct. Too, for something like that, like... You know, Alex I mean, and I built these I these beautiful crates, and you know, yeah. everything fits neatly in the box. Uh, we even added the Dunwich Horror miniature because, like, that's the one we 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 took a look at the heralds and whatnot, and that's the one that has a miniature yeah. that really a fits on the board and b is representative of the creature itself. Uh, so, and, and it all fits in the crate, and it looks great uh, up on the top shelf. Where we don't know what this is going to get for expansions, we don't know uh, if they're going to follow the um, distribution module that they've been using on the lcg line uh where you have to buy multiple copies of the base box we we really don't know a whole lot about it yet and you know i like the idea of a modular board i like you know the idea of keeping it compact Uh, and i and i love the the way that mansions of madness and arkham horror lcg and and eldritch horror deal with skill checks um it's very cool like i my biggest bummer is that it's not richard's game anymore to the point where his name isn't even on it oh okay so it's a re-implementation all around yeah and i feel like at that point they shouldn't uh, in in good conscience call it arkham horror anymore just name it something even even just a subtitle like arkham horror streets of arkham or something like that uh that was alex's suggestion Uh, personally i think streets of arkham runs a little bit too close to fate of the elder gods but that's just me if you weren't as invested in Arkham Horror 2. Now, it's going to be hard for you to be objective, but that's what I'm asking for. Mm-hmm. Do do your best. But if you weren't invested, like, say you were me, sure. right, and you were going to go buy an edition, would you recommend second over third? Are they different enough to own both? Or would you go for third edition? What, what would your recommendation be? I'm honestly just going to hedge and say time will tell. Again, okay. it looks like that's a fair. really good game. Okay. Uh, it's... I, I don't remember the name of the designer. I didn't recognize it, um, right. but it, it looks like a solid game, and I don't think it's going to be bad. I just don't think that Arkham Horror players, second edition, first edition players, are going to rebuy. Uh, and and that's, Arkham that's Horror is such an yeah. iconic game that I don't think you're going to recapture that audience. Yeah, yeah. And we'll uh, see. We'll see, too. And it, it could also, like you said, depend on how much support it ends up getting. Mm-hmm. Because, like, if what you're saying, uh, you have a lot of these fans, and they don't want to buy third edition because i've already invested so much time and money Mm -hmm. in the original uh, version one or two you know maybe it just doesn't get the support right because we've seen fantasy fight pull the plug on battle lore 
Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, what I mean? and that 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 was actually a pretty decent selling game. Too. Oh, absolutely, and, and and they never got to their elves. I looked on the Fantasy Flight website the other day because Mike and I were like, "All right, we need to make sure that Arkham Horror Second Edition is well stocked before it goes completely kaput." Yeah, uh, and Fantasy yeah. Flight has just eighty sixed every mention of it. Oh wow, okay, so it, they are do, they're doing a hard push on three. Then they really are, and that's that's in their uh, you know coming soon list. There's still okay, yeah. like a whole entry for it. There's still uh, player support modules and things like that. Okay. Okay. Um, but it's any mention of Arkham Horror Second Edition on their coming soon or reprint list, gone. Okay. I mean, they did that with Battle Lore, mm-hmm. right? Battle Lore 2.0. You you couldn't find anything on Battle Lore One anymore. Okay. I guess time will tell. But you've got a couple of other. Uh, you got like Eldritchor. You've got Arkham Horror LCG. Yeah, I really got- uh, now normally I we save. Cthulhu Lovecrafty stuff for uh, the Halloween episode, um, <laughs> but I just I, I I did I went ham on Arkham Horror stuff this this past month uh, at Gen Con. Uh, our friends Cat and Adam had the full bore Arkham Horror LCG with them, and Alex and I have been struggling a little bit to find time to play the LCG. Both of us have the whole thing. Uh, we all, okay. we both have character decks. I'm playing Rex, Rex Murphy. He's playing Skidzo Tool. But we we needed people to play with, and our friends Cat and Adam were like, "Yes, we love playing Arkham Horror LCG. We usually just play together. Uh, it would be great to play with four players." So Friday night, yeah, Friday night um, <laughs> before we made our annual excursion to the arcade bar Tappers, we played Arkham Horror LCG. We played it right for a change with people who knew what they were doing. Um, okay. <laughs> I was really tired that day because I'd been you know working the booth all day. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, it, but th- those are long days. They're fun at those conventions but they are long days yeah I mean, and, and i was there literally all day yeah that's a lot i've done i've done that before yeah it's a little it's a little rough but it was fun and i had a great time and we won we won completely nice. every every possible thing went as planned uh we got into the last turn and adam and cat were like okay we need to retire we need to call it good and alex was like no let's push it one more turn i think we got this and lo and behold everything went uh, perfectly, and we we completely won the scenario. So we are looking forward to uh, continuing that story, hopefully before next year, but we'll see. Nice. Um, uh, do you think it's easier with four people, or...? We concluded that, yes, it is definitely, definitely easier with four players. Okay. Uh, even if it's just, you know, you have more perspective on things, right. uh, different uh, input coming from different sides, and, and it, like, there was one turn, I remember... Mm, I see what you're saying. ...where... Uh, I had a card in my... You can't talk about the cards in your hand. Unlike Sentinels of the Multiverse, where, you know, it's basically open hands. It's open knowledge, yeah. Uh, there is a rule in Arkham Horror LCG that you can't talk about what's in your hand. Or you can't tell people what's in your hand, specifically. Okay. Are you allowed to, like, hint? Like, I yes. can do damage next turn. Absolutely. Okay. And so you can strategize and whatnot. But I had a card in my hand that said... Uh, it was called I've Got a Plan. And uh, they were like, well, how are we going to deal with this with this uh, cultist? And I was like, i got a plan. And the only person who picked up on it was Cat, And she was like... <laughs> No, 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 we're fine. And she, like, she convinced Adam uh, and Alex that, that we were fine. And then I took the first move, played I've Got a Plan, and Adam goes, oh. <laughs> wow, that is borderline. <laughs> it's really pushing it. But like, what else am I supposed to say, you know? Like when, yeah. when I'm given that opportunity, I got to make that joke. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah, yeah it, was, it, it was really cool. And I, it, once more, that is just a, uh, an Arkham Horror memory that I will never forget. You know, I've heard, I've heard, I, you know, we've talked about Arkham Horror LCG on the show before, but mm-hmm. I, I really, I've heard a lot of really good things about that game. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun, and and we're actually yeah. going to get a group together going at the store, uh, sort of after our monthly uh, Arkham Horror Second Edition games. 
we're going to play the card game. Oh, my game. gosh. You're going to be playing for eight hours straight. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the other uh, – I also went over to Eric's uh, yep. to finally play Eldritch Horror, which is the other Arkham Horror Files game. My conclusion personally uh, is that they tried to streamline Arkham Horror. Kudos for, to Fantasy Flight for that. Much right. respect. Arkham Horror definitely has room for streamlining, and I think that's what they're trying to accomplish with 3rd Edition. With but I three. think Eldritch Horror tried to streamline a little too much. Okay. I really like the fact that the investigators in Arkham Horror 2nd Edition have variable movement, and it's one of the sliders. In Eldritch Horror, you're only moving two spaces every single time. I've heard that's what Arkham Horror 3rd Edition is, too. Yeah, that's what I've heard, and I'm a little, I'm a little nervous about that, but we'll see how it pans out. Um... <laughs> You so the other problem that I have with Elder Tor is the monsters don't move. So if you want to fight a monster, you have time to prep yourself for that. Whereas in Arkham Horror uh, Two, they move almost erratically, right? And you oftentimes will get ambushed by something that you aren't equipped to fight, and you have to figure it out. Okay. Uh, whereas, like the only thing that was moving erratically in Elder Tor was yeah. the Hound of Tindalos. And okay. that's just bad news bears all over the place. So I feel personally like they tried to streamline too much. Okay. But it was just as memorable and just as fun. And I would I would absolutely play it again anytime, anywhere. We, but uh, you'd recommend Arkham Horror over it. I, For me personally, Arkham okay. Horror is better. For someone like Eric, who isn't necessarily thinking five turns out, Eldritch, Eldritch Horror, Horror really be. works for okay. him. So okay. it's not worth having both, but it's worth playing both to figure out which one is better for you. So try before you buy. I am firmly sticking by the try before you buy on Arkham Horror Files games. Okay. What about you? What did you What did you have this month? Oh, uh, well, I've got a couple of good things. Then I want to just mention really quick. Uh, I, I know I've talked this about this before, so I don't want to spend a long time. But Escape the Dark Castle. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot lately. Yeah, I've been. It just seems like every time people come over. We end up playing one or two games of this now. Mm-hmm. We ended up playing two games. Sure. And the reason was I insisted that we play a second game. Okay. Because you know how difficult the game can be? Because if even one player dies, you lose. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We we went through our first game. We found all the items we needed. We got all the dice rolls we needed. We, we beat the end villain. Uh-huh. And I think the lowest of us had eight hit points left. What? Yeah. Like, we absolutely tore through it. And, like, halfway through the game, I said, this is a really unique experience for me. This is not how this game normally goes. So we decided to play again so that the players, each of uh, whom had never played the game before, could get... Uh, hopefully a better sense of the game yep. and this time it was a little more challenging we still got to the end boss in pretty good condition uh-huh. and then I don't even remember who we were fighting but the end boss absolutely just unloaded on us <laughs> and slaughtered one of the people within like two turns it hit them for seven or eight points and just game over well, that'll ruin your day so, yeah so, <laughs> so we won the first one the easiest game I've ever played and then the second game was about average until the boss just absolutely destroyed us. Sure. So another game we got to play that night, because we just played three quick games that night. Uh, did you see this at Gen Con? It's kind of trendy right now. It's called The Mind. Um, I might have seen it, but again, I didn't get away from okay. the booth a whole lot. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so have you heard about The Mind? No. I mean, I, again, Han- I might have seen me- it, but I, I don't know anything yeah. about it. It's just a deck of cards. You remember Hanabi? Yes. Love Hanabi. How you, ha- you couldn't talk... But you like held your cards out and you were trying to build the firework sets and do yes. numerical order. Yeah. 
it's another numerical order game. Okay. Uh, with no talk. Okay. But this time, what you do is you, depending on the number of players, you go through certain rounds, and the numbers go from one to a hundred. Okay. Okay. And what you're trying to do without talking is put the numbers down in order. Okay. So what happens is round one, I have one card, you have one card, the third player has a card. If I have like a five, odds are good that in a deck between one and a hundred, the five is the lowest. Right. So I might play that. And then depending, you know, somebody else has a 90, they're probably thinking they're the last. Right. So you try and put them down. And then round two, you do it again, but this time you have two cards in your hand. Oh, so it gets harder as you go. Okay. Right. So as you beat a round, then you shuffle all the cards back in. Round three, you have three. Round four, you have four. There's a couple things you can do. One, you get lives. So if you screw up, you don't lose the game immediately. You have a certain number of lives, and beating certain rounds will give you rewards. Sometimes you'll earn lives back. Other thing you can do is there's the shuriken cards. I don't know why they're shuriken. Maybe it was originally supposed to be themed something. Uh, It's kind of a mystery. But but you can use the shuriken, and then everybody can reveal their lowest card and discard it. So you can kind of get a general sense of where people are. Sometimes, because sometimes everybody's lowest card is very close, and you've really gleaned nothing. Right, yeah. But it was a really interesting game. I've, I've heard that the people playing it kind of get obsessed with it. And I I actually went to buy it afterwards, but it was like $17 for something I could write with Magic Marker on right, some right. cardstock. But if it had been a $10 game, I would have bought it. Because sure. I don't think it's the best thing ever, but I got to tell you, we had some amazing moments. Like we had one round where every time somebody put a card down, like it'd be really close and we just happened to get them in the right order. Like, I'd play 27, and then somebody else would play 28. Huh. Like, but that could easily have flipped. So it's yeah, interesting, because yeah, yeah. we, we weren't playing... We're not talking to each other, but we're not... Uh, but we are kind of communicating, like... But in a funny way, we're looking around, and it's all body language. Like, people look kind of nervous. And somebody might look at you and nod very <laughs> confidently, but they have no <laughs> idea, because they have no idea what you have in your hand. Uh, but I'll tell you this, when you succeed in that game, you feel awesome. Yeah. It feels great to succeed. And then when you fail, you don't feel all that bad because it's just a little bit of bad luck. Yeah, exactly. So I, it's it's an interesting game in the sense that that it makes you, like the highs are really high, but the lows are only kind of meh. Yeah, that's see, that's that's like the heart and soul of this show is like you know we talk about games that have memorable experiences behind them, and that's exactly yeah. what that is, and in yeah, a very I'm different still... way too, which is really cool. It was cool, and I if I ever see it for ten, but I just I, it's hard. Even though I had a great experience, a I know somebody who owns it, b I just feel like seventeen dollars for a deck of cards just labeled from one to a hundred is kind yeah, of that's pricey. An awful lot. Uh, but 10 bucks, I would scoop it up in a heartbeat. For sure. Um, uh, so real quick, the third game we played that, that night was a game called Campy Creatures. Sounds like something out of Nickelodeon. Yeah, it was just this little game and it's cute. It's got like, um, like 1950s horror movie kind of vibe. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can see that. So everybody, uh, I've talked about it. In the past, what's the name of that game? Strife. Legacy of the Eternals. How everybody has the same cards and you're competing for land for points. Yep. 
It's kind of like that, except for instead of a two-player game, it plays two to four. Okay. And so it's every round, three cards come out, and then everybody has the same set of monsters, one to ten, and those monsters have all the same powers. So everybody's got the same thing in front of them. Um, but you're just competing for for different things, and all the monsters have powers. Like Some are just very strong. Some negate the power of the person to your left or right. Some... Mm-hmm force somebody else to take a card sure. because there are cards that are negative points but if you have the first or second most of them they become positive okay but if you don't have the first or second most they're negative points so like lots of lots of variation it did remind me of strife only with more players i think strife has a little more going for it because of the combinations you can play off each other mm-hmm but campy creatures plays more people i really like the art that campy 1950s horror movie b horror movie like the blob type that yeah, that yeah, type yeah. of stuff uh i liked it and i think the i'm not sure what the price on it is but uh if you could get that for 20 25 bucks i think it'd be worth it yeah um because we played we played a game and i ended up uh really enjoying it yeah, really enjoying it so so it's that it's that kind of game though where the cards play off each other and you end up you know, I play a card that does a power, but he played a card that does something else, and it ends up chaining off, and you end up with this result you totally didn't expect, uh-huh. uh, which which can be kind of fun. Absolutely. Got a couple more. Zombicide, Green Hordes, you and I played that. We sure did. We eked out the cheapest win ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we got backed into a corner. We couldn't get out. We were ready to give up. We ended up finding the key we need to open the door to escape, and I happened to have a character with the slippery ability <laughs> we gave it to that person and she ran away yep and won the game for us everybody else just made a bunch of noise and the orcs came at them and, and, and we had a bunch of deaths too luck it was lucky but i also think i also think we had really really bad luck to start so i think the luck gods balanced it out for the end of the game absolutely i mean i was i was running so for those who don't know the uh cool mini or not minis characters from the game besieged uh came with promotional cards some of them came with promotional cards that allowed them to be played in zombicide there's a bunch there's eight yeah and uh of course that's a mere fraction of the characters that are playable in besieged but um i picked a couple of favorites and i was like i i really want to go with some besieged characters just for, for poops and giggles and uh, one of them was a berserker, and just <laughs> that dwarf, went right? nuts. And at one point, you were cautioning me, like, "You need to stop killing stuff." And I'm like, "I, I physically can't. Like, there is nothing I can do to stop this character from killing stuff." Yeah, well, the danger. I mean, that's it's a nice feature of zombie side, but uh, so when you when you draw zombies, you're drawing the cards, mm-hmm. and then there's different colors: blue, yellow, orange, red, and depending on what level you're at in the game, the cards will get worse and worse. Like yes. What comes out will get worse and worse. But it always goes by, you use the color on the card that corresponds with the hero of the highest level. Yes. So if one guy's in orange or red and everybody else is in blue, guess what? You you're just get overrun. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, I actually found another game that works very similarly to that. It's an RPG. It's the Sentinel Comics RPG. Uh, they okay. have the, the gyro, green, yellow, red, out, where if the scene tracker advances, let's say, into the yellow zone and the heroes yeah. are still in their green, guess what? They get their yellow abilities because the situation became more desperate. Okay. Um, and so I was like, 
I don't think that, uh, you know, Christopher and Dave got that mechanic from Zombicide. In fact, I would probably would bet very strongly that they didn't. But it's a very similar mechanic, and, and it similar actually thing. forced me to think in a similar way uh, okay. when we were playing Zombicide, uh, that, uh, as I did when I was GMing uh, Sentinels, which is really cool. Okay. All right. Sorry, a random digression, so, but... No, that's... Yeah, that, that's interesting to hear. I didn't know that, because I haven't seen that mechanic in other games, and I, it's kind of an interesting... I Not that it's super unique. Right. I, I mean... I, if somebody else did that, I wouldn't be like, "Oh, you ripped off Zombie Side." It's <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's but it is, but sharing. it is the only game sharing that I'm sharing. aware of that that uses that. Yeah, well, Tom and I were actually talking about Zombie Side because it was a medium difficulty mission, mm-hmm. and he was like, he pointed out medium kind of means on average medium, right? And then it could be really, really bad as as well. It could be really, really bad, but it could also have been real really good think about what happened we started off here one of the on the first round of the game we opened a door and there was a necromancer right right which could be bad luck except for we killed him immediately right and if randomly that token that we got to flip over had been the blue key Mm -hmm. we could literally have walked to the exit and one by like round two or three. Right, right. Like that—that's a very real possibility in that the way that that one is set up. Mm-hmm. Like that's that—that's pretty wild, actually. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> because ours was so difficult, and we got so lucky at the end of it because we got so screwed over at the beginning of it. Mm-hmm. And it was just—I mean, it was carnage. Like you said, your guy was just taking out zombies. We—it was just we were in the corner. We had three or four of us in the corner, and then we ended up having like one or two people separated off in the side uh i was playing the v for vendetta character who just got murdered because i rolled four dice and all i needed was one three or better and i couldn't get it i rolled four ones sometimes that that it's just not well it's like and and especially in zombie side once you lose a character the game just gets harder and harder and harder out of hand real fast yeah, sometimes it's not even winnable. Right, I mean. right. But then, like, you know, we were ready to give up. We're like, well, let's just take one more crack. We can shoot this necromancer if he if it flips over the key. And then we happen to find the key, and we had a character who had slippery, and I just ran away. Yep, yep. <laughs> so Got there. Uh, good win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, what else? What else? What else? What else? Okay, have you, have you heard of Rising 5? Yes. Heard of okay. it is all, though. Okay, so Rising 5. Did you ever play Minesweeper? Of course. Well, you had the four pegs. Oh, that's, uh, no, that's not Minesweeper. Minesweeper is the computer. No, not Minesweeper. Uh, mine. My, uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember what it's, mine, it's, uh, my, Mastermind. Mine, Mastermind. Is it Mastermind? It's Mastermind, because I played it all the time when I was in, like, fifth and sixth grade yeah yeah i had a copy when i was a kid yeah mastermind there it is pressman mastermind it's still in the same box oh yeah it hasn't changed in years okay but this is like mastermind okay except for it's purely cooperative oh so uh, the story is this gates these portals have been opened these five heroes you're in outer space on this planet these five heroes have come together to fight off the monster and seal the gate okay and the gate is there's seven symbols in the game, and there's four. Uh, the code has four spots, and you have to match the symbol with the constellation and get them in the right order. So it's essentially Mastermind. Right. First game I've owned where it's run by an app. 
Oh, that's right. You so, don't. Are, do you have Mansions of Madness too? No, I don't. I've only okay. played yours. Okay. Uh, right. But you set up four random tokens, the symbols, uh-huh. and then you take a picture with your phone, and the phone randomly generates a pattern. Oh, that's and then cool. T- tells you which ones are right and in the right spot, which ones are in the pattern but in the wrong spot, which ones aren't in the pattern at all. So you uh. use your phone to to learn about the pattern. But what's really cool about the game is nobody owns any characters. There's five characters each with their own unique power, but anybody can play anybody if they have that card. Because what you do is you get a hand of cards and you spend a card or multiple depending on on how many you want to, how many actions you want to take. But say I have four cards, I can say I'm going to spend three of them this turn mm-hmm. and then I have three actions I can use. And the other thing you can do is if I have those four cards, I can spend three of them and then the one I didn't spend, I can add later to combat to give myself a boost to combat. But also if you and I were playing together and you had that character's cards, mm-hmm. you could also give them to me to give me a boost. Huh. So we can work together that way, but it's it's interesting because if you run out of cards, you lose the game. Okay. And but you kind of have to balance between if you spend two or three cards on a turn, you get to do a lot more on a single turn, but you can only do their unique powers once a turn. Mm-hmm. So if I spend the cards more slowly, I get to do more of the unique power, but I can do less on a turn. So you kind of have to balance how much do I need my unique power versus what do I need to accomplish this round. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're bouncing around, you're collecting artifacts, you're fighting off monsters, and you're you're moving the tokens around and taking pictures and trying to get that pattern. And there's a symbol, a sun tracker that goes down, and whenever you lose to a monster, a lot most of the time the penalties, the sun tracker will go closer. There's some really bad red sun cards. Mm-hmm. And depending on the number of red suns showing on the board, the sun will go down that much. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a water's rise or type thing in... in uh, Forbidden Island. Forbidden Island, yeah. Or Forbidden Desert like where the sands change. It's one of those like disaster or, uh, moments. Forbidden Skies just came out at Gen Con. Yes, I saw that with a battery, an electrical board. Eric Did it has come that out? one all figured out. We'll have to we'll have to get together with him and play that at some point. Because apparently it it's, it's all one continuous story. And he wants to play one after the other at some point. I would do that. Yeah, does me he, too. Does he... Wait, does he own that game? He does. Oh, I didn't realize it was out. Uh, he bought it on eBay from someone who bought it at Gen Con. Ah, okay, because I'm buying that as soon as it comes out. Yeah. It is, and just on a price point, Forbidden Island and Desert were both around 20 bucks. This yep. is a $40 game, yep. but it's like a full big box game. Yeah. Uh, and it, it has, like, electrical components, and you <laughs> sure light does. up the rocket ship. Yep, Eric <laughs> that is, definitely that... spent 20 minutes trying to explain to me how that worked, and I was like, Eric, yeah. I get it. Eric, I get it. Eric, I get it. <laughs> Well, GameRed, I guess, has said that uh, they, don't, they generally turn down battery-operated games. Yeah. But they thought this game was too good to refuse. Yeah. That's what they said. Being a fan of the first two, definitely excited to close out the series. Definitely going to pick that up. Yeah, we'll have to, uh, we will report back to you on that one. Yeah, yeah, we definitely will. Uh, So, uh, Rising 5. I played a few times. I played two games by myself, lost both of them horribly. Mm -hmm. Then I played two games, uh, my sister and I, and we won the first game super easy there's three levels easy medium hard Mm -hmm. i've played on nothing but easy so far we absolutely destroyed the first game my sister and i played the second game is kind of average got further it took a lot longer took more work but we got there Mm -hmm. and then tom and i played 
a game, and we literally won with the last card in the game. Uh-huh. If we didn't have the pattern right and we didn't have the cubes, we would have lost because we wouldn't have been able to draw anymore. Huh. So, and that was on easy. Right. So, uh, it, it's tough to fight monsters, though, because you have a six-sided die. One side is an auto-fail. Mm-hmm. Two sides are ones, and then there's a two, three, and a four. And the monsters range from one to five. But even even fighting a level one monster, there's still a one in six chance you could auto-fail combat. That stinks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. But it's a lot of fun, and you can play the whole thing in 20, 25, 30 minutes. Right on. Um, it's a good play so, time. Yeah, and everybody I've played with, I, it's only myself, Tom, and my sister at this point, but everybody's enjoyed it. Uh, my sister enough to play two games right in a row, which is rare for her because she's not actually that much of a gamer. Yeah. Uh, okay, what else have we got? Do you want me to talk about Oblivion? Go for it. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it because like, I'm surrounded by it a little bit more than you are. Okay. Um, you haven't, I mean, you, you were at PAX East, but you said that was probably going to be your last show just because life gets in the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got a, I got a infant child, and yeah. it's, it's. I mean, I did miss Comic Con, my first one in like eight years this year. I didn't go. I didn't work it. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, but we'll see. But I, yeah, I might be done with the, <laughs> with the yeah. whole. But of course, I, I was surrounded by Oblivion at uh, Gen Con, so I'm interested sure. to hear what you have to say about it. But you haven't had a chance to play. I have it, not. Have you? I, I've, I, so in over a year, let's put it that way. I've played, you know, the prototype and whatnot, but I have not played the final okay. version yet. Okay. Uh, so first of all, I'm going to start with this. It says two-hour play time on the box. Yeah, that no. Our game took us five hours. That's what I'm hearing. A lot of five-hour yes. games. I think once people are more familiar with how it works, Mm -hmm. it's actually not that complicated mechanically. Right. But Oblivion is a villain. There are two environments with two environment decks. And then there are, we had at one point, besides Oblivion, I think four to five other villains with their full cards and powers on the board. The Scions, yeah. The Scions. So there is awful lot to manage yeah Uh, this game is not for passive fans of sentinels of the multiverse this game is for people who 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 play this game who know the characters who can sit down and invest time and really get into it yep um and you need you want to know all the player the characters yeah i i don't i don't even have that knowledge like it especially because I think the game came with five characters, plus there was another pack of four yep. that came with the Kickstarter, plus there were another three uh, independent floaters, I think. Yep, uh, two two floaters, the Void Guard is four, and then the five in the box, so yeah. Okay, So, but there's still 11 brand, brand new heroes. Yes. And here's the other thing. Because everything was new, we, were, we had four players. Yep. Everybody picked a new hero. Uh-huh. We picked two new environments. Oh, Everything was brand new, and that definitely, definitely added to the time. Yeah. Um. So, so this game, we actually ended up breaking up the responsibilities. So, uh, okay, it is not Sentinels of the Multiverse. No, it's definitely like Oblivion is is almost it a different game. It uses the characters. It uses the rules. It uses the core mechanics. It plays the same way, but Sentinels is like a sit down. 
play a game in 45 minutes to an hour, Mm -hmm. play power draw, read what the card says and do it. Mm -hmm. This game, you've got two separate environments. They can be destroyed. Mm -hmm. One of the end game conditions is if Oblivion destroys five environments, you lose. Yep. So you you can bounce back and forth before your turn starts, before play power draw, you're allowed to move and then do one of six things. There are missions to complete. There are, I mean, there's just, there's so much, so much going on that this is for the hardcore Sentinels fan. Yeah. So we were playing one of the, one of the people in our game, like three and a half, four hours in was like, who would want to play this? (laughs) And I have to say, me. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I have the patience for a five-hour game. But here's the thing. Like, you're not playing one character. Your characters can die off. Yes. And then they turn over. You can reclaim, like, loot their bodies from rewards that they have. Yep. You can use their powers. That's one of the six things you can do is use a dead character's special power. Yeah, use an in-cap ability. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean... And then, and then, because of the way the game plays, like if you have Tempest, let's use him uh, for an example. Because I actually started, I, I got in a situation where I was dealing like thirty to forty damage around with him. Yep. Um, Which is and then he insignificant be, based on the fact that Oblivion has ten thousand HP. Well, that's the other thing too. So there's five different versions of Oblivion. Yep. Because you you're fighting. Remember uh, Baron Blade? Yes. The very first villain, he had that shield, and you couldn't hurt Baron Blade the until you got through that shield. Yep. Yes. Oblivion has the same thing. Yes. Except for it's five different ones. Yes. Five different scions, and they all have different win conditions. Right. And I'll say this. So, I mean, there's just so much I want to talk about, because this game was such a learning experience. Like, an hour and a half in, I start to realize this is impossible the way we're doing things. We are clearly doing something wrong. And then I realized, oh, we need to attack this Scion. Yeah. We ignored him because Oblivion was over there. Fun fact about Oblivion, he has more than one one-shot kill cards. Yes, he does. In his deck. Yep. So you really don't want to be on his side because it will be like, hey, who's the hero with the lowest HP? Yep. They're dead. instantly dead. Yep. Oh, okay. I mean, and he has three different forms, so you're trying to to bounce back and forth between the things, but if you can get through the shields and certain other conditions in the game will switch his forms. Right. So he'll go from 10,000 to 180 HP. Yeah. But there's different ways to get there, and they're not always good for you. Right. Some of them are, but some of them are because bad things are happening. He's, like, using his power or something. Like, his form is changing, but not because of good things you're doing necessarily. Right. Um, And then a lot of the villains... I mean, there's there's ten scions to deal with. Yeah. There's five different oblivions you can fight. It is just... It is so much so much game and it plays like so there's two different environments environment things environment one it's like two separate games going on at the same time because they don't affect each other right but you can also bounce back and forth between the games and you obviously because it is one big game you have to take into consideration what's going on in the other one but it is just i think some people had a little bit of fatigue (laughs) because it took so long and like i said one of our players was like who would want to play this uh but i think the rest of us who are all big sandals fans were like actually we do yep because 
it was like an hour and a half into this game when we're not making any progress. Right. Uh, having this epiphany. We need to do something else. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like something disastrous would happen and you would learn. And then there was just so much in the game that you were constantly learning and evolving and just when we were done with that five hour game like if it wasn't one in the morning i would have been willing to start another <laughs> try one. again run it back yep. yeah i, I mean you. i'm i'm i i'm ready to play again i'm ready to play again and it's just name a time my friend just name a time and i am there and i'm sure eric will be as well yeah what well, we want to get four people and we're gonna want to get people who know how to play the game yep I'll say that because this is not... If you like Sentinels because it's a 45-minute quick, easy game, this... This is not might, that. You might, you'll you be shocked by this, I think. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Um, but, it, it, uh, without a question. Yeah, but if you're invested in learning the strategies, adapting on the fly, getting to play three or four or five characters in a game Mm -hmm. oh and that was the point i was gonna make like you pick like tempest say i start with regular tempest and he dies you can pick a variant to play as later that the rule is no two heroes or no two players can use the same hero deck right but if you have all five or you know if you have four versions of legacy Mm -hmm. there's a chance four versions of legacy could come out in this game yeah if you you know so uh, if you really have, like Tom really likes the naturalist, he got to play his two versions of the naturalist. Naturalist and hunter uh, naturalist, yep. I mean, yeah. I got to play Writhe. Writhe? Writhe is my new favorite deck. I love that oh deck my. so much. He was amazing. I love Writhe. He's, and I'm I, not sure how much he's designed to cater to the Oblivion game, but in a game where people literally... There was one time... Where, so Ride is very squishy. He's only got like 19 hit points. Right, he's the lowest H- starting HP of any uh, yeah. solo hero. But he's designed to survive. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of abilities and traits to let him lower damage, weaken damage, redirect damage, completely prevent damage once a turn. He combos uh, so well with the rest of the Void Guard. Like yeah, we uh, we played them on stream the other day, and fun. oh my goodness! <laughs> he that was the first time I ever played him. Uh, he immediately jumped up to one of my favorites. Yes, yeah, definitely. He was awesome. He's, he's um, so what? So I, I will say like crazy things in this game happen too. Like there was one point where oh, so also when environment gets killed, Oblivion goes there and just does twenty damage to everything. Yep, sure does. Like it's it's absolutely nuts, but uh. There was one point in the game where the other three people had died. Yep. And around later, two of those three were dead again, and the third had one hit point left. Yeah. And Ryth was surviving this. I survived because I was playing him. I survived. And then I just got this really bad stroke of luck. I got struck between uh, Oblivion and uh, Voss and they just... Spoilers, Doug. Oh, my gosh. They just crushed. They just crushed... You can't. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't go anywhere without just getting murdered by someone. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to playing Oblivion with you at some point. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be good. Yeah, just give yourself time, and I I do want to see how you can get it down to two hours. We'll talk about this off the air, but yeah, uh, but I, I know some uh, ways. I I. I really, really enjoyed a game that I would consider a Sentinels variant. Yeah, much like much than... like Vengeance or Villains. It's, yes, it's exactly. It, it, it's exactly the core mechanics are there. If you know how to play the base game, you pretty much you know most of the 
rules to the new game but it's also so very 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 different yeah. so very different uh so that was my initial initial one player at the table said why would anyone want to play this and the rest of us were like because it's awesome yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that's 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 my uh review of you know in a nutshell <laughs> and experience so. the fate of the multiverse yeah i mean for for serial <laughs> like it was just it's also a great opportunity i'll say this too though some of the characters who need a bit of time to develop yep it can be very hard depending on who's on the board oh yeah to develop those people because there are times where the the villains are just just throwing throwing damage your way yeah for sure uh, it is so hard like there are legitimately heroes that will last one two three rounds and that's it you know and i want to see too because it seems like dealing damage is very good um control characters it's harder to say if they're gonna be good because you might end up breaking up into different groups because of certain rules right uh it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see uh who really shines in this game and who isn't as useful yep or you know discovering ways in which they are useful even though it's not necessarily apparent right now right does that make sense yeah absolutely that's i mean that's a lot to say about oblivion but it's it's a game i you know we ordered a while back it's one we're both excited for and it's a game that took a long time to play (laughs) so uh first play first play review right there there you go um if if you are a a, a sentinel and there are a lot of devoted devoted sentinels fans we meet those at the conventions uh i i'm i'm sort of embarrassed sometimes at just how little i know because i played the game a lot yeah but how little i know compared to people they come up and they know they're just listing off these character names and these strategies and chaining people off each other and and I can do that somewhat, but... One of my favorite moments from Gen Con this year was when uh, Craig was talking to someone outside the booth. I was running the register. And Craig turns around and goes, Zach, what's Legacy's name after Oblivion? And I'm like, Heritage? He's like, thank you. You know these kinds of things. I don't. <laughs> okay. So if Craig doesn't know him, I don't feel so I bad. wouldn't feel too bad. <laughs> oh, oh, can I give a shout out? I want to do an advertisement. Yeah. So the, the last episode we talked about... Um, uh, Legends of Sleepy Hollow? Yes. Yeah. And then Craig heard the episode and sent us the link. If you go to the Kickstarter link, you can still right now pre-order the game at the Kickstarter price. Oh, there you go. Which is like 30 bucks cheaper than retail. And I did go ahead and pre-order um, Legends of Sleepy Hollow. So when that comes in, we can we can we can do the campaign. Excellent. Yeah. So I just, I just want to shout that because last time we were saying... I probably would have got it yep. had I had the opportunity. Just want to make sure people know that there is an opportunity. There you go. Um, so we mentioned that there was one other game that you and I played together, and we wanted to hold it off until we get to our main topic. Not much of a segue here. Um, no. <laughs> but today's topic, if you if you couldn't sort of glean it from the very beginning, is component quality. We had so much to talk about. We did. And we didn't think we did. Like We, we thought that was going to be pretty fast, and here it yeah. took an hour. Um, so we played a game called The Island of El Dorado. This game, uh, contrary to Doug's ridiculous notes, has <laughs> nothing to do with tortilla chips. At all. Well, I guess, maybe it does. Well, El Dorado is a Spanish thing, so are tortilla chips. Aren't they? Maybe Are tortillas more Mexican? Mexican? Well, El Dorado, El Dorado is Mexican. Mexican. So I did play a Spaniard in the game. That's true. So maybe it does. I don't. Um, I just thought it was funny. So yeah, 
Um, so Alex and I are both very big fans of the Road to El Dorado, the animated movie. It's a wonderful little <laughs> film. Um, I enjoyed. I've seen it actually. Yeah, Katie and I watch that all the time, and it's just fun. So as soon as I saw the Island of El Dorado as a board game, I was like, "Yeah, gotta get it." And the, not related to the movie, though. No, it's not. Uh, okay. The Kickstarter wasn't at the time that pricey. I was like, "Okay, yeah, this seems reasonable. It looks fine. Um, you know, it's 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 a gorgeous looking game." Yes, um, it is a gorgeous looking game. Magnetic box. Shiny trim around all of the tiles. Starting tiles. Um, Individual meeple. Yeah, and it's... Uh, yeah, the, the uh, meeples shapes. are custom cut. It really feels cut. retro and, uh, and, and fun. And the art is beautiful. The color scheme is really tied together. It is a good-looking game. It, it, uh, the MSRP is 60 bucks. I paid a little bit less than that because I got it on Kickstarter. And your reaction... Now, we played the, you and I played the game together. We did. Your reaction, or I, I lost miserably. It was a very, it was a roller coaster game of emotions. Let's oh, it sure was. Like I got off but, to a but, really explosive start and then crashed, and then you yeah. dominated the rest of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Initially, I felt bad about that, and then I started thinking about it. You and I started talking, and I was like, "Well, I learned some lessons here. Like, you don't just go for that explosive start. You set up." Well, first of all, let's talk about the the component quality because yes. I said if that had been, they could have lessen the component quality it still would have been pretty much the same game mm -hmm. and they probably could have sold it for 40 and i was thinking after that you could go even less i mean you could shrink the size of the game it doesn't have Ooh. to be as big as it was because these are these are Catan sized tiles yeah you could go down to true. like they a are... travel Catan or like a fantasy frontier size I was just thinking Fantasy Frontier. Well, then I think they need to be a little bigger than Fantasy Frontier. Probably a little bigger. Somewhere These in between that and, and a Catan size. Frontier. And you could get it down to a $35 game. Yeah. Yeah, you probably could. Or you could go with the 40 and still have like things like the custom meeples and the gold trip. Yeah, but it's, it's, yeah, it's 60 MSRP. There's not $60 worth of gameplay in that box. I don't think. Right. I mean, well, that's that was the most that was when I meant set a roller coaster. It was so weird because so the way you do it, you roll two dice on your turn mm -hmm. and you use one of them for movement because yep. it's you're exploring and laying tiles yes. and you use one of them to collect resources. Yes. And you can collect resources either on the space you're on or you can put down these little farms and they will help you collect more resources. Yeah. Uh, and that ended up being sort of the thing that put me ahead was because yeah, you started building uh, farms and I did. Well, what happened? Yeah. Because, and, and this was why I was frustrated. You were rolling, uh, fives and sixes across the board consistently. Yeah. I had really, I, and, I mean, I had really good high rolls that day anyway. Yeah. And I was rolling ones and twos consistently. Right. Like for me to have like one movement and two resources was like three or four turns in a row. And it just, it felt really bad. Yep. Um, but I think what ended up happening, and this is probably because of just because neither one of us had played it before, right. you were cleaning up resource-wise, so you got out to this huge lead, but you kind of relied on those numbers to stay that high. Right. And then once I stopped yeah. rolling those, it was like yeah. just the Utterly. hardiest of walls. Yeah. And then because at the same time, because I was rolling so poorly, I had to really sit back and wait Mm -hmm. But I, I used my time while you were running around gaining all the victory objectives to sort of build up my farms and my resources and drop a fort right in the middle of the board. And I ended up being able to control like the whole center part of the board and eventually was just able to catch up and then 
sort of surpass. Right. So, but, but I, but, but so I like, I ended up feeling really bad at first and then kind of like, okay, okay, maybe this balances out more. But then I'm wondering, what if your roles had been similar the whole game, but you had taken that strategy and I couldn't have caught up even with the farm? Yeah. Right. You know, you know what game I was thinking? I was actually thinking about this game today, knowing we were recording. And I was talking to a friend of mine who just got into board gaming. He lives out in Minnesota. Uh-huh. He asked about Betrayal at the House on the Hill. Yes. And he asked if I'd played it. And I said, that is the most polarizing game mm-hmm. because I have had two or three amazing experiences with that game. And I've had two or three awful experiences. Right. And I'm wondering if Island of El Dorado is similar. Like, depending on the dice rolls and when the choices people make and the way the tiles come out. And the characters. And the characters. There's, yeah, there's a bunch of, as- it's asymmetrical powers. But you could have, like, a really awesome experience, but you can also have a very, very frustrating experience yeah, yeah and i'm wondering if that's the case and i don't think it's a game we can judge on one play no i don't either and, and i'm interested yeah. like alex and i have a standing like we when we have time we are going to play that game and we're going to find out yeah i, I would play it again if you wanted oh absolutely um, it's it's fun uh <laughs> but i don't think i just don't think there's 60 dollars worth in the box no I, I agree with you and if we're going to talk about component quality I agree completely. I think that is a game that almost suffers from being way overproduced. Yeah. And it just jacks the price up in a way the experience can't match. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they just finished a Kickstarter for the expansion. And I'm... Yes. I, I didn't get on get in on it. Right. Like, right. I'll pick it up in retail if I can or just not. Because... Not have it. Yeah. It's $60. Like, do I regret it? No. Because right. it's it's an interesting game, it's an interesting theme, it's beautiful. But I I'm I want to get my sixty dollars worth first, and I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, like people seem to like it though. I mean, the reviews are good, but mm-hmm. then the experience we had it was like I was just frustrated and irritated, and then I kind of was like, well, actually, maybe there's some mechanics that let me catch up. Yeah. And you were like, uh, this game's good, and then you were like, oh no, this sucks. This yeah. Game sucks. You were getting upset Very later when you. When you kind of... Well, you ended up getting stuck in a cave. I did, yeah. I was just stuck in a cave and I couldn't couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't develop resources at that point that well. It was just... It was tough. Yeah. It was tough. And it was our first game, so there's a learning curve. Yep. But I don't know. So what else did you want to talk about? You got a couple interesting ones on here. Yeah, so um, the other two things that, that came out of Gen Con, uh, our booth was very close by to the Ravensburger booth, which uh, is a puzzle company, at least as I know okay. it. They have a few games, okay. but um, I've never really thought much of them. But lately, they got two very big, very well-known IPs, uh, mm-hmm. at least on the distribution level. I don't know, you know, if they're in charge of design or production, um, right. but they're they're distributing it. Uh, that is Jurassic Park Danger, Danger and Disney Villainous, both sold like gangbusters at Gen Con. Uh, Villainous was sold did. out by day three, by, by middle of day three, and Jurassic Park sold sh- uh, sold out shortly into day four. Hey, that's that's the kind of show you want to have, right? Oh, Come absolutely. In with trucks full, truck full of stuff, and leave with none of it. Yeah, and and when we when we did that with Spirit Island last year, it, it felt great. <sighs> I wish I had bought that. <laughs> <laughs> so Jurassic Park Danger, like. When I went to Gen Con, I, I was like, okay, I know that I don't have a whole lot of money this year. We just got back from Ireland. I got to make sure I have enough to eat and I want to go to Tappers <laughs> and, and and that's about it. And I started walking around the floor. I'm like, okay, there's not a whole lot that I'm compelled to buy this year, which felt really good. 
And I was like, I can really get choosy. I know, or I can, I can figure out what I want. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself and, and to Alex, who was wandering about around behind me and Ellie, I want a game that has a classic feel that isn't too expensive uh, and doesn't have any miniatures at all. Because you and I talked about that a couple months ago. Like, I'm just done with miniatures for a little while. Mm. And walking around the floor, Alex, Alex found it before I did. He's like, hey, you should really check out the Jurassic Park game. I'm like, well, isn't that your thing? You're all about the dinos. And he's like, no, no, no. I think this fits all the criteria that you are looking for. I went. It's a hex-based game with smaller hexes, just like we said. Uh, the, <laughs> the art is gorgeous. It's it's hand-drawn, um, you know, probably digitally, but that's fine. Right. All the characters from the original Jurassic Park movie, not Jurassic World, are, are there. Oh, Alan Grant, I didn't realize Ian it was Malcolm. The... Um, I didn't know it was Grant and Malcolm and Muldoon and those guys. Yes, it is. Ellie Sattler. Ellie Sattler. Uh, Lex Hammond. and, and uh, Lex it? and Tim is that the other Tim. Guy? Tim. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the 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 jerk who operates the Samuel L. Jackson's in it. Yeah, Dennis Nedry. Nedry. Yep. Is he in it? He he sure is. And it's hold on to your butts. Hold on to your butts. I that. And uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is perfect. It's a modern. Oh, I didn't realize. I had no idea it was the original cast. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, and I mean, exciting. I can definitely see room for expansion right up to the Chris Pratt era. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... but I don't think it needs it. It was a $40 game. Hex grid. Not too big. Not too small. Very visual. Right. Couple of little right. punch board bits that are already punched out for you, which is always nice. a big a big thing. <laughs> Or rather, they're in the frame, but they're like well able to come out. Like you're not ripping anything, which is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are too far into board gaming production and development to have poor punch board. Right, exactly. Especially coming from a puzzle company. Yes. You know? Okay. Um, Okay, I just wanted to point out. The cardstock is a little thin, but it's like it's durable. Like you can bend it and it comes, it snaps back to its original form. It's not just paper, which is really good. And the, the, characters are all meeples they're classic standard <laughs> format meeples and the dinosaurs ha- are the only custom meeples in the box we we busted it out we played put it to the table we learned it in seconds and and played it and it was great and i destroyed sammy and jared as the dinosaurs i was so happy <laughs> and like as a veteran sentinel tactics player i like the one versus many play style i know okay. a lot of people like that was the sort of anti-selling point uh, we, we, our gang of Alex's, Alex and two other Alex's played it and they were like, well, it's one versus many. This is not for us. And I was like, Oh, that's for me. Like, I like that kind of strategy. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a problem with what it. What was that game that you and I played, um, last Friday? Oh my God. That game was so stressful. Yeah. We have to play that again. I loved that. I could not believe how much I enjoyed that game. Yeah. We need to play that again. I'd like to play it with more players and I want maybe switch sides too, but I also want to, I don't know. I just, I want to play that game again. Yeah. So, so you were playing. You were playing dinosaurs. I was the dinos. Oh, I just found a video, so I've, I've got the pictures. Yeah. Oh, those are awesome. It doesn't it look cool? And it was <laughs> only awesome. forty bucks. Oh, it's a little. The board is a little. It's, it's shape of the island. Yeah, it's the island, and it's super <laughs> adorable. So what is? It? it looks like there's a T Rex, a Velociraptor, and a Dilophosaurus. Yes, exactly. You you got okay. it. Okay. And I'm looking at they the each pictures. have like a slightly different power. Okay. So like the Velociraptor can go really fast. The Dilophosaurus can. Yep. Uh, can shoot someone in an adjacent space, adjacent hex, Range and um, the T Rex can attack someone twice. Okay, and it's it's all, super fun. And it was I I got that forty dollars worth in one playthrough. Ah, see, that's that's what we're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Basically, the same component quality as El Dorado, just a little bit smaller and a little bit more refined, and you've got your money's worth. Yeah. 
twenty. I mean, twenty bucks is a big difference. Mm-hmm. You could buy the mind with twenty. Bucks. Exactly. You could buy another game with twenty bucks. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to just point out, I owned the original Jurassic Park board game that actually had like the T Rex miniature. Yeah. It, I was telling you this earlier because it was the first take that game where I actually made my cousins cry. Yeah. Because <laughs> we had played games like Sorry and Trouble and Don't Feed the Gators was a fun one. Yep. Yep. Um. But it was it was kind of like very dependent on dice rolls yeah. and stuff. Whereas this the the old Jurassic Park game, you were your little person trying to accomplish your mission. Yep. But you could also move the dinosaur to make them go after other people. Right. And it was just like you had to deliberately choose to attack someone with a T Rex, and my baby cousins just could not handle it. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was the first game where like. They just lost their minds. It was it was fun. I had fun with it. Yeah, and, and but this Jurassic Park danger, it's a yeah. lot of fun, and it's worth. It wouldn't hold up by 40. today's standards. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, but yours was worth the four. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The other game that Robinsberger had at their booth was Disney Villainous, mm. which I'm a little bit sour on. Now I've only played it once. Alex bought it. You didn't buy it though. I did not buy it, but it was the same price point, same box size. Similar component quality, but I felt okay. like the cards were a little bit flimsy. Uh, the mm. the player tableaus were just folded paper, like folded cardstock. Oh my stock, gosh! And I didn't really feel like I was the villain that I was supposed to be playing. It was a game, it, so it's a head-to-head villain trying to accomplish your goal before everybody else does. And the other yeah. players can kind of hinder you, but not really. It's not as interactive as I would like it to be. But the the big like component that the, I think is what raised the component the the price is the pawn because it's just a pawn that moves up and down your tableau there you don't put it on anybody else's mat or anything like that yeah. is a custom like translucent sculpt that okay really looks more like a blob than it does oh. like your your villain uh, I was playing as Jafar okay. and like I I was going through the box I'm like is this Jafar nope that's not it is this Jafar no this oh there oh, it is wow. And it, it took me a couple of tries, and Alex is like, what's, what's wrong with you? That that one's clearly Jafar. I'm like, well, now I see that it is, but initially, I'm not seeing it. It's like an abstract right. sculpture. And I'm like, that's not the experience I want from this game. Aside from the fact that it took me forever to get started, and I just there were three cards that Jafar needs to get to like make anything happen on his board, and they were at the very oh, bottom of my deck. Oh, I just pulled up, yeah, the Queen of Hearts. Yeah, they're more like, they're more abstract than you would expect. Yeah. Which yeah, I see. I I just pulled up the picture. Which respect? Like I see what they're trying to do there. Is Jafar the black work. one? Yeah, yeah, he is. And not he's he's not the red one. Okay. Yeah, that's correct. And I was a, like, I would want him to be the wait, red is one. Is he? Because like Maleficent yeah, might he's, be the black one. No, he. Oh. See, the, 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 this no, is, yeah, it. This is exactly one. it. He's the black one. <laughs> like. Yeah. No, that's yeah. That's a little weird. And that's not the experience I mean, that I want look like from. Okay. From a Disney villainous. Disney, I expect to get right in there and have fun immediately. Like, that's that's yeah. Disney. Right yeah. down to Star Wars and the Avengers and all their properties. I expect fun immediately. I don't want to be struggling to figure out which character pawn I am. Does it matter? Does it impact the grand scheme of the game? No, not at all. But when I pay 40 yeah. bucks, I expect better than that. You know what was like that? Uh, Endangered Orphans of Condyle Coast. Yes, yeah. I feel like that... I, I really like that game. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, we, we both like it. I feel like it's... it's too pricey and one of the things that i got for backing on kickstarter was like this really big plastic 
bust of the villain right. that has no functionality within the game <laughs> whatsoever. Like, I would have rather have saved five dollars. Yeah. No, but for real. No. For no, real. You're like, right. The tin, the 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 little I love the plastic figures. They're amazing. Uh-huh. But if I could have saved another five or ten dollars, that game I spent forty dollar that should have been or no, I got an early bird. Mm-hmm. But say it's a forty dollar retail game. Yeah. I, I felt like you could have saved ten or fifteen bucks mm-hmm. if you just scaled back on you don't need a tin. A little cardboard box would have been fine. Yeah. The box didn't need to be as big. I don't I think I have the Kickstarter version though, so I don't think the retail box is as big. I mean the retail box um, is just showing up on uh, on our distributor level yeah. at this point. So I will let you know yeah. as soon as I, I it's on order, but But it just it, that was a game where I felt it was overproduced f- for things that didn't even get put in the game. Right. Like right. Scythe. Scythe has good regular cubes for your thing. Yes. And then if you want to spend the extra money, you can get the the resource tokens. Yeah. Item. It's like an add-on. Little pack. painted things. But they're also awesome. Oh yeah. You use them in the game and they're awesome. Yeah. Like that bust is it's cool, but like it has no functionality whatsoever other than to cost me money. Now there might be people who put it on a mantle or something, but but that, it's I mean, you have really to be a like, super fan for that. Yeah, I don't know who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're one of these people, let us know. Busts, I don't know. But but that's a game I felt like they, I, I could have saved five to ten bucks just if they'd scaled the quality back a little. If you're going to add something like that, make it like the yeah. Pitcher Meeple in Bottom of the Ninth. Yes, it has no practical purpose, but it adds to the what I'm going to call the game feel. Like having a pitcher on the mound in Bottom of the Ninth. That's kind of like the minis in Zombie Side. Right. I mean, we won't even we don't even have to discuss cool mini or not. We kind of did when he, we talked about the the Kickstarters. Yeah. Same type of thing. It it does add to the feel. Yeah. But sometimes this overproduction, like I don't feel like I like the gorgeous artwork in El Dorado. Mm-hmm. I would keep that, but there's no reason I had to have like special custom meeples. No, not at all. Like my individual color would have been fine. Right. There's no reason I needed trim around all of the the uh, tiles. Yeah, the special like, tiles. Leave that off. That would have been fine. I don't know how much more that costs, but well, backtracking even on Oblivion, like I've been making miniatures for Sentinel for uh, Prime War. Um, yeah. F- of the Sentinel Comics RPG characters that some of the staff have been playing. Yeah. Um, could they have made the Oblivion marker a miniature? Yes, absolutely. Did it need to? Does it change the game feel at all? No. As a matter of fact, I think having the punch board, or it's punch board, it's right? It's a stand. It's the little yeah, standy. it's a punch board stand. That standy, makes yeah. it feel more like a comic book. Which is the game feel that they're trying to accomplish with that game. You know, actually, that's an interesting point because I think if it had been a miniature, it actually it would have looked awkward on the table when everything else was just cards. Yeah. Or, or you know, three-dimensional projected onto a 2D plane, which is just the way that right. Adam draws things. It's just a card. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think Orphans doesn't have that because all the little people are all pawns. Yeah. So that actually works. Yeah. But, but again, it, but it like, contributes to the game feel. Like, those pawns yeah. look like they belong. Yeah, but they didn't need to be that fancy either. There's actually a game on uh, Kickstarter. I forget what it's called. It's this arcade scroller game. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, stretch goals was minis. Mm-hmm. But the whole point of it was, like, the pixelated look. Yeah. And I was looking at the minis, and I was looking at the cardboard standees. And it was one of the first times I was thinking... You know, if I got those miniatures, they would sit in the box because I would play with the standees because 
the standees fit the same art as the background. Right. They fit the same art as the villains you were fighting. And if you had this three-dimensional hero, it would have stuck out like a sore thumb. It would yeah. have looked really awkward. Right. So on Kickstarter right now, there's a game called Grimoire. Yeah. So it's a little card game. I actually got it in the first 24 hours. It said if you back it in the first 24 hours, you get a card. I hate that. But I was like, well, I'm actually kind of interested in this game. So I'll do it now so that I get the card. He ended up taking that away and he's giving the card to all the backers. Except for, so I backed it dropped it because i didn't want to support that yeah backed it again then started reading the comics or the comments never read the comments doug i'm glad i did i ended up dropping my pledge for the second time uh-huh. because apparently like he's promising the game in november he hasn't actually shown any cards only like p- rendered pictures this is the game called grimoire And if the people in the comment section, I don't know if they're accurate, but what they're reporting is that this is actually a company that went bankrupt, still hasn't delivered two past Kickstarter games. The one game that they did deliver had like paper thin card quality, like just absolute junk. So I'm so glad I backed out of it. But and it it's got weird things like the guy won't answer a lot of the questions in the that the people have. Right. He's like definitely fielding the questions he wants to answer. Oof. Uh it's a Polish company, uh-huh. but it says the Kickstarter says it's in some place in Ohio. I kind of went with my gut feeling mm-hmm. and my my gut was telling me something doesn't feel right about this this one right and you know i just dug a little deeper and it turns out like like he's even said he's delivered some people are saying where's my game he's saying we gave it to the distributor the distributor is saying no you never sent us anything like this is the kind of stuff that i'm seeing so i backed out of this game uh it's called grimoire yeah here it is by octopus games it is 64 percent funded right now um, 50% of that was the first day when they promised that card. Yeah. Uh, but it's just, I don't know if this is going to get out in time, but... Oh, now it says Solkowis, Poland. Okay, he changed the location. Oh, good gosh. <laughs> okay. Bad in my gut, especially especially when you hear about paper-thin cards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Sentinel's the... first edition, I, I have that. I know. Mm. I don't think I've played it with you at this point. Christopher and Adam have told me on a number of occasions to burn it. Yeah, I've only played um, Enhanced Edition. Yeah. I've only... I got into the game once Enhanced Edition was already out. Yeah. It, that, that, like, the cardstock in that edition is one thing because they produced it on the super cheap and they didn't know what they were doing. That was an early game. And, and, and they fixed it for the Enhanced Edition. Yeah. Um, it sounds to me like this company knows what they're doing and is just going for dirt cheap. <sighs> I just don't know. I don't know enough about it, you know, and I, I I feel bad if the guy is just legitimately trying to put out a product, mm-hmm. but at the same time, if he's just scamming people or if he, even if he has good intentions with a history of not being able to deliver, yeah. that's that's not somebody I really want to support. Yeah. So if it's, if it's good, we'll get it in retail. Yeah. Hopefully. Can't always find this stuff. That's the unfortunate thing about kickstarter is you can find amazing games and there's five days in game print runs and you never find it right uh there's another game on kickstarter right now it's got 51 days to go (laughs) that's an awful long campaign yeah it is it to me that says somebody doesn't know 
what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but it's got they're looking for a goal of $68,587. Okay. Um, as of recording, they have 4,363. So they're only like 3 4% of the way there. Uh, it looks like an interesting game. It's a tile placing hex little battle game called Hexagonia. It's c- kind of a, the, the box art is terrible. I'm shocked that's the box art. I can't, that can't be right. That can't be right. Um, but the other thing is the game is $80. What? Because they don't use cardboard tiles. Everything in the game is plastic. Ew. It's a 3D modular board. It's really cool looking. Sure. But but this is another $40 game that is going to go up to 80 bucks because it is just plastic. Tiles, though. Do people have no respect for our natural resources? Like, come on, people. Cardboard is recyclable. Just this, I feel like this game would be so much more approachable at a $40 price point, too. I just can't see dropping 60. It comes with a bunch of miniatures, and that would be enough, but 150 plus hexagons plastic hexagons that's ridiculous how much do you think that's probably half the price of the game right there yeah and here like Ravensburger now granted bigger company sure uh but they Mm -hmm. can license jurassic park and disney villainous and produce decent quality games you know average of the two is decent (laughs) for while still leveraging a 40 dollars price point right right so it's doable, yeah. people. It's doable. And I'm willing to... I mean, I own Rising Sun. I yeah. own Zombie Side. I, I splurged. I got the extra stuff for Scythe. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that, but this is a base game. It, But that's the thing. Scythe, I spent more than I needed to, but I feel like it was worth every penny. Yeah, I mean, one playthrough, we got our money's worth out of that game. And a lot of that does come down to <laughs> component quality, too. Like... The components are top notch, and the art is it terrific. So yeah, but even the base game is like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but I would be happy with the base game of that. I'd be happy with the base game of Zombie Side of Rising Sun. Mm-hmm. I spend this extra money because I'm a dummy, <laughs> right? <laughs> I like shiny, pretty things, but <laughs> but they don't need them. They don't need them. Right. I don't want to spend forty dollars for plastic tiles. No, I'm sorry. No, I don't either. I just don't. I don't want to do that. No. I think this game has a sh- had a shot, could have a shot, a little better art. Yeah, which art, we'll talk art would be about good in later. this one. Better art and, and just actually worse components yeah. would make it more marketable. First of all, your you're, you're asking price is going to be less. And second yeah. of all, you're going to get more interest because people can afford it. Yeah. That being said, Zombicide and Rising Sun both made millions of dollars. Correct. But I think you have to match your component quality with the type of game yeah Yeah. you can't give me diamond studded sentinels of the multiverse (laughs) cards that would be hysterical you know what i mean that's a 40 dollar card game right and it plays like a 40 dollar card game and i love it and i've been playing it for what six years now i can't yeah no no is it uh four four or five years so yeah seven years yeah so i've been playing it for probably five or six then yeah of course I've got my money's worth. Right. But but if that game was a $100 game no. for the same yeah. game. No, I forget about it. We like nice components, but you need, and I think that's it. I think if I had a takeaway, I love nice components, but all the glitz and glamour is not going to make up for a lackluster game. Yep. And I think that's a really good place to end it on too. Uh, okay. Lessons learned. <laughs> and 
I hope I yeah. hope we have some you know designers and developers listening because uh, that's that's some important important stuff right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, we know we do. Yeah, that's true. Because we've got some stuff after episodes have aired. Yeah. Uh, on a couple of occasions. <laughs> so. For now, if you want to check out older episodes of the podcast, head on over to ghostshipradio.com. And to see some of our other work, facebook.com forward slash another letdown is the place to be for that. Adjacent Hex is published monthly by Ghost Ship Radio and is produced by Another Letdown Media. Music for Adjacent Hex is produced by our good friend Jean-Marc Giffen and used with permission. If you have some feedback for us, you can reach us on Twitter. My name is at D-E-N-O-N-C-Z-D and Doug is at I-T-S-O-K-T-O-L-A-F-F. And our hashtag is hashtag Adjacent Hex. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe and share with your friends on social media and in person. Also, make sure to drop by the Ghost Ship Radio website where you can find a link to our Patreon. If you have something a bit longer to say to us, feel free to send us an email at theadjacenthex at gmail.com. From all of us here at Adjacent Hex, happy gaming, and we'll talk to you next month. Oh, metal coins, though. I don't. I don't care how bad your game is. If it's got metal coins, I'll buy it. Well, okay. Let's be more specific here. If it's got metal coins, Jesse will buy it. Jesse will buy it. Well, Jesse will tell me to. Buy <laughs> <Yes>. it. <laughs> this show is part of the Ghost Ship Radio Network. For more information, go to ghostshipradio.com.